I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. best English language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Welcome back, Viola fans. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Santa Camiso already splashing presents to all the good Viola boys and girls. Seems like a good year to be a Viola fan, Tito. What are your thoughts? Uh, if you look at the back half of 2021, definitely a good year. The first half of 2021, a little bit less so. So let's go ahead and call it a push. But yeah, let's let's hope for more of the let's hope for more of the same in 2022, huh? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely thinking 2022 is going to be a good year. Didn't start off, uh, you know, necessarily all that great for my family. Got a little <laughs> bit of COVID, but I, I'm thinking that actually Fiorentina is going to be the ones that pick us up. While we're feeling down, and yeah, how how are y'all doing with that right now? Just to make sure everyone's okay. You know, it's it's uh, it is what you think it is. Uh, it goes through the family, and it it takes time. Uh, what would normally be about five to ten days is actually like three to four weeks because you just have so many people in the family get it at different times. I won't say that it's necessarily the most well constructed um from from uh, an advice standpoint out there so it is kind of confusing as to you know when you need to 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 quarantine when you need a mask and all that other good stuff so we're just staying home nice part about it so uh is what it is yeah well hey glad glad to hear that you're all doing okay at least up there and uh i think the real question then is uh what are you drinking to get through it i'm assuming just pure everclear to purge the insides and uh <laughs> sanitize everything but go ahead and uh, go ahead and confirm that for us going in a bit of a different direction have a bottle of water and because it is the best stuff out there so i will give a plug to whole foods oh no the organic orange juice where you just put it right in and it squeezes it all right down into the jug it is by far the best orange juice out there. Just, just, just so smooth, so creamy. I mean, it's it's amazing. Love it, oh, and it perks you right oh, up. Oh, come on, man! If we're gonna plug for Bezos, at least make him give us some money or something. <laughs> Honestly, he doesn't give anybody money. You know that he's too oh, cheap of a bastard yeah, for that's, that. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm actually kind of in the same boat. I'm taking a month off from drinking, which feels really weird to say. Again, it's trying to start this. Oh new year off a little bit healthier so i'm just drinking water so man that's a boring segment i'm glad at least you're not stealing my bit this week and cracking open a beer right in front of the microphone i'm still not recovered yeah but, uh, i did that didn't i yeah you did i, did I hated that. it i hated it so much i, I think but, that uh, could have quite possibly been what sent you right into this withdrawal right now a month long of not drinking this is your protest session 
and uh, there was definitely some kind of protest might have just been the rest of my body but uh spiritually <laughs> also spiritually also all right well, let's let's go ahead and jump into some birthdays here and uh let's get the big one out of the way first on friday the 7th of january so a couple of days ago as we record this davidia story would have turned 35 and that's still just saying that in the past tense just still feels so weird to me i i I still can't believe that he's that he's gone. It, it feels weird because this is actually the second time that we've covered his birthday on this podcast um, in the past tense. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so social media definitely lit up. And I, I think that it's just a testament to the man, uh, not only just the player, but the man that he was across all all, all teams of, of City, uh, all followers. I mean, that that's exactly what you want to see. True, true man, true gentleman, dearly missed. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, Davide, uh, wherever you are. Uh, we got a couple more, a couple few more birthdays to get through, so let's just kind of blitz through them here. On Saturday, the eighth of January, so yesterday, uh, one Adrian Mutu turned forty-three. I imagine that was quite a party. Probably wouldn't have been able to handle it this month myself, given my uh, what I'm giving up for the month. But I'm sure that he had a blast. So yeah, good on you, Adi. You got anything anything to say to to our favorite Adi Puti? Well, I mean, he's your boy. He, he's your boy. And and there there is a chance that they may not have drank during that party. They just may have other alternative things at that party. Allegedly, allegedly. Right, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sunday. So today, actually, as we record this, uh, Fiorentina's captain Cristiano Baraghi turns thirty. Which, you know what? I know that he's still not your favorite, but are you starting to come around on him a little bit? Very much so. Uh, it, it, it it is definitely something that we've covered here a lot. He's not somebody that I've appreciated watching. Not necessarily because of his play on the pitch. I mean, he's a good player, but it was kind of just the 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 way that he was with the fans. And that's all changed. Um, he's connected. I don't know if he's connected with all the fans. He's definitely connected with the Corvo. I, I think that there's a lot of redeeming qualities in him right now. More so, I, I just think that He's putting a lot more effort into reaching out to the fans and wanting to be Viola. Yeah, I, I, I think accept that's that. fair. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's—I think also it's fair to point out that he's been a—he's been a heck of a servant to the club. He's got five goals and fifteen assists for Fiorentina, which is a pretty good return for a fullback. He's got a couple of goals this year as well on his Cheap fullback. Hun- yeah, yeah. Also for his salary, not half bad. And uh, 132 appearances, which is the seventh most for a left back in team history. I don't think he's going to catch uh, Manuel Pasquale for that lead, but you know who can say? Uh, all right, and then one more birthday, and this one's maybe a little more your speed. Yeah. On Wednesday, the 12th, uh, the mayor Borja Valero turns 37, and hopefully gets some lasagna. You you hear anything else? Uh, you hear anything else about the Valero family, Mike? They're enjoying life over there. And, and to be honest, there is no better family, no better representation of what it means to be Viola than than he and his wife and, and now his kids, you know, kind of getting into it. So wish him all the best. Uh, hope that he sticks around Florence for much, much longer. 
I mean, it so- sounds like he is going to. He's uh, working as a commentator for DAZN yeah. now, which I, you know, I can't watch the DAZN broadcasts here from the bunker, which is sadly located in the U.S. But uh, yeah, I, I imagine he's a wonderful uh, co-commentator. Also playing for CS Lebowski, which is hilarious. And uh, yeah, Rocio Rodriguez, his, his wife, is uh, works for a player agency and has started showing up in the media as an expert mm. on, uh, on, on the transfer market, which has been really, really cool. I, I love seeing her name pop up in stories as a as a consultant there so that's that's been a lot of fun for me too so quick yeah question have, for you yeah quick question have you followed him at lebowski because i haven't uh not really it's it's the weirdest thing there it's very tough to find a broadcast there uh I, from what i can tell uh talking to people in the city who've gone out to watch him a couple of times he's maybe a step or two ahead of uh everyone else at that club right now which is, you know, astonishing considering that CS Lebowski is a, I think, eighth division amateur team. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that he's usually playing like a 45 minute half. And I don't think he's played every game because sometimes his uh, work commitments take him away. Yeah. But yeah, looks like he's just having a blast all around. Yeah. And For the love of the game and for the love of the city. Yeah, the man deserves it. it. So happy birthday, Sindaco. Uh, all right. So let's let's go ahead and get into the uh, into the meat of this podcast here, and because it's January, that means we can only talk about one thing, right? So let's let's get into it. Let's talk about the Mercado, and let's talk about Jonathan Icone, who was chronologically the first signing, and getting that done so early, pretty wild, right? Uh, I mean, that shores up a lot of the concerns that Fiorentina had coming into this window. Uh, it shows up the concerns that we had coming into the whole season. You know, one of those things where could they have purchased somebody, uh, you know, in, in June, July, uh, going into August? Maybe. But is there a better value right now, the player that you are getting in a Kone for 15 million euros and what he brings to this club, not only from a need standpoint, but this guy's pure class. Yeah, he's he. I mean, I will not pretend like I watch a lot of Lille or Ligue 1. Sorry, my French pronunciation is atrocious. Apologies, Francophile friends. Uh, I, I think the real question for me is how he's going to look out wide in a 4 3 3. Uh, Lille play with a 4 4 2, and that kept him a little bit farther away from goal. So he wasn't getting to shoot as much. He wasn't around the, around the box to provide assists as much. He was more of a ball carrier whose job was to pick up the ball deep and then just beat a couple of guys down the wing and just play the ball infield for someone else. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he can add that final product into his game when he's playing higher up and he's more focused on, on getting around the goal. So that I think to me, that's the only question. Uh, are, are you at all worried? I, I know a lot of people who do follow uh, the, the French league said that it seems like he's, he slowed down a bit over the past year or two. Doesn't look nearly as good. Does that worry you? Do you think the change of scenery is really going to go ahead and uh, amp him right back up? You know, I think we talked a little bit about Akone and, and the fit on our last podcast. I, I really think that this is just a, a, a situation where it, it ran out of time 
you know, like the player wasn't interested, seemed like the, the scheme wasn't really fitting him and he needed a change of scenery here. I think he is just as good as he, I think he will show he is just as good as he ever was, which means that he's a world-class French, you know, international footballer, you know, does it get any better than that? at this day and age right now. I mean, like there are a lot of really good French players out there and he seems like somebody who, who, who genuinely enjoys being in, in Florence right now. Look to social media, all those pictures, all those pictures of him with Lucas Loretta and Nico Gonzalez like that. When, when, do, a we lot get of the, love. when do we get the buddy movie? Cause I would, I would buy tickets to that. I don't know if I'm going into a theater, but I would, I would pay to stream it. That all, yeah. all of those photos of them together, looking like they're just having a blast. That those have been really, really fun. I don't, I don't remember the last time we had uh, a group of players who hung out like that, except maybe all of the uh, Brazilians going carp fishing back in like 2014. <laughs> well, see, as a 76ers fan, I'll go back to uh, a couple of years ago when we traded for um, Harris, who's our power forward right now, but a big dude. If you don't follow basketball, his name is Boban uh, Marjanovic. Like seven foot three, seven oh, foot four. Boban's the best. He's the best. And these guys actually came in. They they came in. I think from was was it uh, Detroit Houston or, or oh, I thought uh, it was they Detroit. came out. I thought it was somewhere down south. Oh, okay. um, but they they came in from from another team together. They lived with each other, and they actually had their own like Twitter and and Instagram feeds where they would make <laughs> all these videos. It was hilarious. And 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 when I saw some of those pictures, that's exactly. What I went back to was the Harrison and Marjanovic um, skits that that were being done when those two players came into uh, Philadelphia a couple of years ago. I love it. Like yes. this team needs that joy, that just the unbridled passion, the fun that comes from the game. And that's contagious. I really believe it is. And also having that be three of your big signings, most important players, I think does really set the tone for the rest of the team in a lot of ways and kind of keeps everyone everyone together so definitely a great signing uh in terms of team spirit yeah i'm just really excited to see him play if we ever get to see fiorentina play again uh all right and <laughs> oh, we'll, before before we transition oh go ahead yeah a question i have for you um who, who's going to be backing him up in your opinion oh man yeah that's the real question right yeah. I mean, he's, I guess he's what the, uh, the fifth winger on the team now. So yeah, that does get tricky. I mean, I, I think that Do we need Kelly own and, and so teal. I, I don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think so either. I think, I mean, there's been some, some talk about so going on loan. Uh, there've been some clubs in Italy and Spain. I've heard that are, that are interested. Also heard some chatter about, uh, Callejon maybe getting his contract bought out. Although I don't really think that's going to happen. So yeah, maybe it's going to wind up being uh, yeah, maybe it's going to wind up being Nico and Nicone as the starters, and then Ricky Saponara and uh, Callejon as the backups, and Sotil, odd man out for the for the rest of the season. What do you think? I think that that's the most likely scenario, and that's actually the scenario I prefer. I, I prefer to get Sotil some minutes somewhere else. Um, yeah, just like we talked about, Akone needing some time outside of his current situation environment. I think so Teal, since he came back, he needs that. Like there's just a lot of pressure back on him in the city and it's weighing on his shoulders. You can see that. 
So, so maybe let's let him go build some confidence out there and then come back into Florence uh, in, in June. I'm fine with that. He has shown some flashes this year. I mean, I know that we talk about how inconsistent and underperforming he is, but he's had some moments where he looks, he looks like he's about to take that step into a, into a world-class player. So I, yeah, I'd love he's to see him. He's not young though. How old is he? I feel like, uh, and I'm going to put this delicately, Mike, men of our age should be very careful <laughs> about who we're saying is young or not. I, he's what? 22. I think 22. I think he turns okay. 23 this year. So he's still the whippersnapper then, right? He's, yeah, he's I think when he's uh a little bit. Yeah, you know, roughly half of our age uh or something. <laughs> you know, again, not going to not going to what are numbers, right? Uh yeah. I, I think he's definitely got a couple years before before he's really a lost cause. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get back into uh into incoming players. And we've got another one, and another one whose name I'm probably going to say really, really Wong. Willy, Willy Wong. Oh, good Lord, Tito. Uh, really, really wrong. Uh, welcome, Christoph Piontek. Has it, has it actually gone official yet, or is, is it yeah. just one of those ones that everyone knows by now? He, he was introduced. Uh, pictures were sent out holding the, uh, the, the, the uh, jersey. Probably oh, that's was right. With him. Yeah. It's official. Number 19. Yeah. Good choice. Always been a fan of number 19. Yeah. So what what does this mean? I think the first thing that jumps out to me is f off uh Sasha Cochran. Sorry, producer Mike. Uh so finally we're rid of Cochran. And you want, that you want is to say that again? News. Yeah. No, I sorry, producer Mike, again. No, no, no. But the, the one before oh, that. the other part, the other part. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. F off Sasha Cochran. Yeah, there we go. Thrilled that Fiorentina is going to have a backup striker finally. Uh, so that's what jumps out to me. Uh, what 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 stands out for you with this one? Well, I mean, <laughs> based off of your first comment, it's all upside, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so so at this point, really, we're just playing with house money. Uh, Piontek was a great player with w- in in Serie a, a couple of years ago, and, and you know when he started thinking about what could have been, but yet what went away. Part of that had to be some kind of arrogance. And and it seems like to me, watching him come back to the city, I saw a little bit of of, uh, uh, his presentation. There was a lot more humility there. So that's the first thing that sticks out to me is that I think Piontek's actually coming back with a little bit of humility. He's coming in knowing that he's going to be the second man up. He's sitting behind Dusan Vlahovic. I think that's a good situation for him. But you know, talk about flashes of brilliance. How many times did we see this guy have some of the most unbelievable strikes? You know, just back uh, to his time with Milan and, and uh, uh, Genoa, I think, right? So, you know, I, I, I think that um, not only is it upside from Cochran, but there's a lot of opportunity for him to build back his career in six months. I don't necessarily know if I see us spending $15 million to keep him. Yeah, uh, that's tough. But, um, you know, I, I think the biggest question for me, and this was brought up in, in his um, presentation, you know, right now we're playing a top three. Do you think there's an opportunity to play a top two with him uh, uh, slotted alongside Dushan uh, very much this year? I, so there has been some chatter about 
uh, Italiano wanting to try out a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-4. And there's obviously no other striker on the roster besides Vlaovic and Piontek. Uh, so I think the idea was that maybe Nico Gonzalez would push into a more central role. I actually am intrigued by that. Vlaovic has spoken in the past about his desire to play with another striker, uh, someone he can win knockdowns for and, and link up with in those really quick combinations. And I think Piontek is not a terrible option for that. He remains fantastic in the air. He's really, really good at winning headers, bringing down high balls, uh, not super involved in the buildup otherwise. So, yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to see that a few times, especially when Fiorentina's chasing games. I think to me what's most interesting is that he does some of the same things that Vlaovic does. So the team shouldn't have to completely change its play style when he comes on to replace Vlaovic too. So to me, that's really what's interesting. I, I guess also, uh, I, I don't know, what. how many goals do you think he ends up scoring this year? Yeah, give me a number. I mean, you know, if I could see four or five out of him, I think, you know, this half of the season, I'd be happy. Yeah. If, if he gets four or five, do you think you, you think it's worth paying that 15 mil to keep him around, especially if Fiorentina ends up in the Europa league next year? You know, I mean, let's just say that we have to get to the Europa league at this point. Yes. And this is, this is now on the players. Like we have, we have the players, we have the coach. They need to go out there and execute. Rocco's done what he, he needs to have done. Yeah, um, we'll definitely need a backup there. I mean, Kokorin should be taken out behind the shed um, yep. and, and, and <laughs> you know, put away with there. So you, you definitely yep. need to have you definitely need to have somebody. But am I going to spend 15 million on bringing him in? I'm, I'm not so sure unless you unless I know what the other money that we're spending, like what else do we have inside of this purse? Chiesa money's coming in, theoretically. Now, he had an injury today. But you, you know me. You know where my concerns lie. My concerns are all in that midfield, and I really want to see us upgrade that midfield going into this half of the season and especially going into next year in Europe. Yeah, no, really? Uh, Samuele Ritchie, by any chance? Uh <laughs> No, I, I, that's yes, fair. I think, yeah, no, I think the midfield as currently constituted is fine. I think you could definitely upgrade it in a couple of spots. Uh, Jack, Jack Bonaventura renewing his contract for another yep. year might help a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm interested in it. I think the, the, sorry, going back to Piontek, I think the other thing that really interests me, because I, I think if he can, if he can rediscover some of that form that made him really good at Genoa and for half a season at Milan, 15 mil could be a steal. He's had a rough time since then at Milan and then at uh, Hertha Berlin over the past couple of years where he's actually lost his starting spot to one Stefan Jovetic, which, I mean, there's one I never expected to hear. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's not a bad gamble. 15 mil seems a little bit steep. If there's any way to talk that down a shade, I'd be interested. But yeah, I, I think the other thing there that's worth pointing out is that his best stretch at Genoa? Do you know who his uh, strike partner was? You remember this under mm, under Giuseppe yeah, Iacchini, no less. He's he's on loan with an option to return. Yep, Christian Kuame. So it might be pretty cool to reunite those guys and see if they can recapture that form that made both of them just 
fantastic at Genoa there for a minute. Uh, all right. Now, I think that that's all great in theory. But if we are actually going into a season where Europe is an option, are you going to go into it with, with a, a opportunity to rekindle Genoa of six years ago? Or do we need a lot more actual, you know, concrete players where we know what we're going to get? You don't want that Beppe ball, that Beppe ball connection back? No. You're, you're shaking your head now. Oh, okay, fine. But you, yeah, you, see, don't, you don't want I, I, Joka, Joka, Joka ball? Come on. <laughs> you know, I, I like Piontek this year. I do. And, and, and he may be able to convince me to, to sign him for 15 minutes. But again, I need to know, you know, Dushan's going to be gone. All right. So now they're talking about, you know, uh, uh, Alvarez coming in and others. But we need to know who's going to be the first striker. We, we then we'll kind of start figuring out how we back into the rest of the team because as it's constructed, I don't think that we'll have success in both Europe and Serie A. But you're seeing that there's a commitment by Rocco to go out there and buy the players, which we haven't seen in a very very long time. So so there's a lot of unknowns. Personally, I do want to move on from some of these fringe players, like Amrabat, Kuame, Pulgar. Sorry to say it. Yeah. Um, I do want to move on from some of those players and I want to upgrade some of those positions. While, while we have talent, I don't think that we have borderline elite talent that helps us in Serie A and in Europe next year. All right. That's fair. Uh, I, I can, I can definitely see a case for that, but let's go ahead and go back to some, someone you just mentioned there, uh, Julian Alvarez, which uh, that's pretty exciting. I mean, that link to, been linked to Milan and Inter Milan and Man U recently. Uh, and he's he just had himself a year, huh? 18 goals and six assists for River Plate. Uh, earned his first caps with Argentina. You do you think that he's you think that he's the best possible Vlaovic replacement? Uh, realistic ones, yes. You know, if you're not going to go out there and, and uh you know, get some of those big guys that are going to cost another, you know, hundred million. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a steal for the money they're talking about too. That's yeah. uh, all right. Um, yeah. And, and this is, this has Berdiso written all over it. Um, yeah. I, I love what I'm hearing here. And, and in a time, you know, go back to, to where we played behind the eight ball. We still haven't replaced Chiesa. Think about that. Uh, we still haven't replaced Chiesa. I would say Nico Gonzalez and Jonathan Icone. Uh, okay, Icone is, you know, uh, uh, Gonzalez, yeah. So so Icone came in, and, and he hasn't played yet. But So so Icone is going to be that replacement. But it took, what, a year, two and a half years? Yeah, it only took two and a half years. I don't, what, what's the problem? I, that doesn't seem like a problem to me. <laughs> we are now going to... Theoretically, and, and it seems in all practicality like this can take place, we are going to potentially replace Dusan Vlahovic before we sell Dusan Vlahovic. That's the biggest change that I think that nobody's talking about is the mentality of this club right now. Going out and identifying a star, Berdusa, Berdusa knows him, Berdusa wants him, and they're going to go potentially get him. I love him, and, and I love the fact that we're replacing Vlahovic before we sell Vlahovic, which gives us so much, so much, so much power 
in the, in the negotiations with the, yeah. with the player, with the agent, and with other teams. That's a really good point. I think grabbing Alvarez now, I mean, again, nowhere near a done deal. His agent is in Milan right now meeting with yep. several teams. Rep, yeah, with reps from a bunch of teams. Uh, Fiorentina still considered one of the one of the top shots. I don't know if there's, I don't know what the betting odds are on it. But um, do, do you think that he's a like-for-like like replacement or do you think he's a different kind of player? Oh, he's he's definitely a different kind of player. I mean, he, he, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near where Flahovic is today. That's going to take another two to three years if he gets there. But he's as close as we're going to see somebody come into to Florence and play at the level that Dusan Vlahovic is playing right now. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think the, I mean, I guess what I'm wondering about too is if he's got a chance to go to Manchester United or Milan or Inter, why would he, why would he go to Fiorentina instead? I mean, what's, what's in Florence for him that, that isn't elsewhere. And I, I actually think there's a number of things, but I'm going to go ahead and let you start this one off. Yeah, maybe maybe it's because uh, I'm shaking my head here, but you know, Manchester United is a dumpster fire right now, an, <laughs> yeah, an absolute yeah. dumpster fire. And if it's not Juventus that I hate watching, or I love to hate watching, uh, it, it, it it's Man U. I, I hate them just nearly as much as as Juventus, and I love seeing them struggle right now. Um, you know, Inter is broke. Uh, their wage bill is is still through the roof. Uh, what are they? They lost 240 million euros last year. Negative. Some number that's too, too high for me to count. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AC Milan. Yeah. I mean, they have some money and they're backed by by um, um, an entire fund out there. Uh, and, and they may be interesting, but I, I actually and this may be the, the Homer in me. I love what Rocco is putting together inside of Florence. And you're seeing players identify with that. You know, Dushan aside, I, I think Dushan actually does. His agent doesn't. But you have Gonzalez and you have Akone, all of which are world-class players and can choose to go in many other locations, but chose to come to Florence to build out their careers here and, and score a lot of goals. Um, I, I think with the Berduso, Berduso connection, that is often overlooked here with Alvarez. Berdiso is so important to this connection here. I do believe that we should be probably in that top two, three teams as, as far as odds on favorites to get Alvarez and then, you know, get Rocco to go over there and talk to him and, and, and butter him up and talk about, you know, all the things that he can, can give and get. It, it, it makes sense. And I, I think that, you know, Milan, Fiorentina, you know, Barcelona is not Barcelona. Manchester United is not Manchester United. You know, Manchester City's looking at uh, Dushan. Where are the teams that can that that can afford a player like this? Give him the playing time, and, and are actually going to put a good team around him. Fiorentina is, is definitely up there. Yeah, I think you're right. That Berdiso connection is significant. The the River Plate ties. Uh, keep in mind too that uh, Alvarez shares an agent with Lucas Martinez Cuarta, who also came over from River, uh, what, last year? So I think that's... A lot of good connections. Yeah, good relationships there, and that that could definitely help push him towards Tuscany. I think also, I mean, being able to work under Ralph Rognick, I think is probably a selling point for most players. But I, I, I think that... Not the ones in Man U. 
Well, okay, maybe not those. Maybe <laughs> not those. That's fair. That's fair. But I think I mean Rangnick's still got a pretty a pretty good reputation. I think. I think the real difference for me is that uh, going to Fiorentina, you're probably going to play more minutes, and with a World Cup coming up, Alvarez is definitely going to want to be in that setup. Uh, if he, how much he'll play in front of Vlaovic, obviously up for debate. He does have some experience playing out wide. I think because he's quick, he's a very good dribbler. He's surprisingly creative too. So I think he could, he could also just form an absolutely lethal front two with Vlaovic. I think that would be incredibly fun to watch and would also take some of the pressure off of him, help him settle in. And then if Vlaovic moves on in the summer, let him slide into that, into that main role. Uh, but yeah, I do think that uh, with his pace and his technique, he does look like he would form an outrageously fun and scary counterattacking unit with Gonzalez and Icone. Because that's three guys who are really fast, are fantastic dribblers, can make, can get past a defender and then accelerate into space, and suddenly you have a an overload attack. So I, I think that if Fiorentina can get Alvarez, he's a really, really, really good addition to the squad. Very different player from Vlaovic. Not not as much of a big brutish ogre when he plays. But yeah, looks looks like he's going to be an, an absolute star. So I, yeah. I hope they can make it work. Now, here, here's the next question. If we do get him, River played season's over and done. Now you went from one striker to three. Does he go on loan? What, what do we do at that point? I mean, I, I can't see having all three of those guys, especially when you see Vlahovic never wanting to come off the pitch. He plays so many minutes. Like, what happens then? I think you can definitely look at that 4-4-2 at that point. And I think that is probably what we're looking at. I, I imagine that this Alvarez move and Piontek, that seems like it's some. both of those are something that are very Italiano-approved. And that also shows that... Uh, if if that's the case, which which it looks like to me, I think that uh I think that shows that the team is really working with Italiano to build the squad out the way he wants, and that yeah. kind of synergy between Prade, Barone, Burdiso, and Italiano. That's I'm not sure because it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure I remember that's how competent teams operate, <laughs> and I think that's probably what we should be hoping for. Producer Mike's shaking his head at me, so maybe we're not. Sorry, sorry, everyone. I'm off, I'm off base. We can delete this in post. Uh, I think the final question here is uh, one that will interest the Arsenal, the Arsenal fans out here. So let's go ahead and get into this. And I'm going to just put it to you in very simple terms. Does bringing in Piontek and or Alvarez mean that Vlaovic is leaving this month? Uh, no. I mean, does it mean that Fiorentina wants him to if they get a good uh, and they did? I mean, they got a great offer. Would Fiorentina move him? Absolutely. I, I am and I have no connection to any of these Arsenal rumors that I, I, I have no connection to them. I, I will tell you, I am still hearing. That his agent wants him to go to Juve in the summer, which is a little bit risky. Uh, so there's still a lot of talks about 2023. So would, would Rocco like him to, to be um, sold, transitioned? You think about it, 70 million, you take, you know, 15, 
um, for Torreya. And then you have 55 that's left. And then you're taking 20 to, to um, uh, Alvarez, which is leaving you with 35 million that you can spend on the rest of the team just from moving Vlahovic. And you're getting Alvarez and Torreya. Plus 35 million to spend going into a European season. That's great business. That is great, great business. So I think Rocco would love to do it. The the agency issue that that has been the issue all along. I, I will say though, I'm I'm fine with hanging. I I mean, I think the Piontech rumor or the Piontech signing rather, all the Arsenal fans are like, oh look at this, they're buying a new striker. Clearly, they're going to sell Vlaovic, which was just hilariously wishful thinking. I I also think there's a a thing here where keeping Vlaovic until summer in what looks like it might be a pretty hot race for the Europa League makes a lot of sense. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to sell him and then bring in Alvarez and say, all right, well, now you have to replicate the form of the Capo Canoniere in a new country after you've already played a full season. Bye. Like that that's not a smart strategy. So I think keeping him for the rest of the year, uh, if you do get Alvarez or if you get another striker using that as a transition period so they can get on the same page. And so that that change next season is pretty seamless. To me, that's what a smart team's going to do. And I think it's probably the likeliest outcome here. So for all of you Gunners listening, please, please, please stop with all of these baseless rumors that Vlaovic is going to Arsenal. The dude obviously doesn't want to go there. And I don't think that's going to happen unless they offer him, I don't know, four times the wages that they've offered him so far and probably they offered four times. some good wages did you and see probably, those wages i did yeah he would have been rich but very rich i mean clearly that's not what he's looking for he wants champions league he wants to be competing for league titles and i with respect i think arsenal's a fascinating project a lot of really talented young players with respect i don't think that's what arsenal is right now yeah and I, I say this as someone who, as a Fiorentina fan, has been deluding myself for decades, and I, I could recognize it in other people. So yeah, I don't, I don't see this happening. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd argue that Fiorentina are actually in a better spot in our league than Arsenal and theirs. I, I think Arsenal are probably where they are at, at where we were two years ago, maybe even a year ago. Uh, there are Arsenal. a lot of players who want to come in to Florence. Not as many good players that want to go into uh, to Arsenal to play right now. That might be the delusion I was talking about. Arsenal's Maybe. in the, Arsenal's in the top four right now in in the Premier League. I believe <laughs> they're so always looking like they're going to slide down. Never looking uh, like they're going to go up. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we might have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let let's 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 switch this transfer talk around a little bit now. And let's talk about the other Fiorentina team that we have been neglecting recently. And I think when we're talking about transfers for Fiorentina Femminile, we have to start with Alia Wanyi moving to Milan because that that was pretty shocking, if I'm being honest. I mean, we're we're talking about Fiorentina's best ever player right now. I mean, like legendary from Florence won everything, captain the team, uh, just just a, an iconic player. And when she left last year, or I'm, I'm sorry, two years ago, uh, you know, it was really sad, but we all understood why, right? Like, here's a world-class player stuck playing semi-professional 
because the league structure is such that she can't get paid. And so going to Spain, going to Atletico Madrid made some sense. She could get more money. She could get compensated for her work and her talent. And, you know, it was, it was emotional. It was painful. Uh, but I think everyone understand it. Joe Barone said, you know, if you ever want to come back, there's always space for you at the club. And the past couple of years been a little bit iffy for her. She had a lot of injuries in Spain and uh, reached a mutual termination of her contract, wanted to wanted to come back to Italy and uh, didn't end up in Florence again. What what happened there? Uh, well, I don't know if there so, must sorry, have been... Sorry to toss you that live grenade, <laughs> by the way, but uh, I don't want to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, it's interesting. I got to get involved in a conversation that included a lot of the people from Go Women's and, and actually uh, uh, Alia's father, Andrea. Um, there's there's a lot of bad blood. And and you said, you know, <sighs> we, we said that she would be back at any time if she wanted to. That's clearly not the case. Um, from From what I have heard, not from the club, so this is all certainly one-sided. This is all from the fans and and from Guani's you know side of the uh, the fence here. And there's there's a lot of bad blood, you know. She she left, and and the the idea is, is it wasn't on good terms. While you said everybody understands why she left, not everybody understands why she left. There was a feeling that she should have stayed, despite not being able to have the wages in Florence that she was able to get over in Spain. Um, there was a lot of salt in those wounds, and that is what we're seeing play out here. It's unfortunate. Is she a player that we need? Yeah, absolutely. Is she a player that has earned her right to come back to this city that she loves, the colors that she loves? Yeah, she does. Um, but at the end of the day, she'll be with Milan. Uh, she'll be playing against Fiorentina. Um, and there, there's a lot of people questioning, not only is it right, but also like, what is the direction that Florence is going right now? As there are a lot of people who are picking up their bags and leaving um, Fiorentina Feminile. It, it's, it's, it's tricky. It is. It's it's just, I mean, again, the club has not issued a statement on their side of events. So we've only heard one side and it, it is worth pointing out that we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and and we, we should probably not pass too much judgment here before we do know yeah. that. That said, it looks pretty bad when you have a chance to bring back your club's unquestioned greatest ever player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and pass that up, and I'm I'm sure that Fiorentina had reasons they did that. I'm sure that Elena Turra and Joe Barone thought about this long and hard, and reached the decision they reached. Uh, I mean, I mean, I can't imagine what that reason would be if I'm being honest. Uh, I think that grabbing Wanyi, who's, I mean, you know, she's been hurt for the past few years she only made 18 appearances for Atletico Madrid but I I don't think that she's just totally out of gas I think she's got something in the tank she's 34 she should she should still be 
it, she might not be, you know, one of the top three right backs in the world anymore, but she's still probably one of the better ones around. And she's definitely going to strengthen Milan. Yep. Which is a little bit alarming. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like have a really strong opinion on this when I don't know nearly enough of the facts. But it, it's just, it's just a shame, I think. And it's not a good look for anyone. And it, it makes me really sad, man. I'm just, I'm really, I'm just, I'm just not in a good place with this. I, I don't know how you could be. Uh, it's, we don't know all the facts, but what we do know is what's out there, what's visible. She's 34. She's not as great as she once was, but she's still very good. And it's evident by the fact that AC Milan is signing her. AC Milan is not a bad team. They're not going to sign nope. bad players. Nope. Yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that's really... She didn't go to Sampdoria, you know, which is down further on the table. She went to one of the best teams in, in the league and yeah, is going to strengthen that team. And a, a team that's competing for Europe, which Fiorentina right yep. now uh, is not. So I think that's a little bit... Yeah, that's that's a concern to me. Yeah. Uh, about just what's going on in the team right now. Again, until we have a better idea of what what's happening, I don't really want to. I don't want to go too far into it, but I think it was something I think we had to address here. And yeah, I think my conclusion is just that I'm really sad about it. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess the plus side though is that uh, Fiorentina is bringing in some fresh players as well to reinforce the team, which is good because they're in seventh and they're only six points above the drop spot which is uh, a concern, I think, for this team. I, uh, it's obviously a new coach, a lot of young players, new cycle. But uh, it doesn't really help your new cycle if you drop down to the second division. So adding reinforcements, definitely necessary. And the the one that we've gotten so far is Veronica Boquete from Milan, actually. And pretty exciting, right? Uh, yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I mean, keep in mind we're transitioning here from 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 some pretty uh, uh, damp news there, but um, now there's yeah, a lot sorry, of excitement yeah. coming out. Um, you know, when you speak, and and all of these things are happening around the same time of each other. So w when I do have a chance to connect with the people over and go women's, and we're talking about uh, Boquete, um, you know, she's it, it's weird. You know, Kwani's <laughs> going to AC Milan. And we're going to talk about her, but we're also going to talk about uh, another person after this, potentially one player and potentially two coming from AC Milan uh, to, to Fiorentina. Um, but this is somebody who can slot right in. Uh, I, I think fill out um, uh, a midfield spot that that is going to need some support and then add some going forward, which which is is really necessary as we sit in seventh right now. Um, seventh, eighth and ninth are pretty tight. Thankfully, between ninth and, and you know tenth, and you know there's uh, I think you know five or six points in between. So um, you know there there is some safe zone, but you need to start figuring out you know who, who is going to be those players that we count on. And and she's a great player. I, I think that she's somebody that we can count on. I think she's about 34 years old. Yep. Um, you know, brings a lot of experience, which is what this team needs too. Yeah, it's great to have young players, but. In a time in a city of Feminile that we're in, a lot of those young players aren't staying around. 
So whether you find those young players and develop them, it, it really doesn't matter without a professional contract because they're not tied to your company. They can leave at any time. And we've seen that so many, so, so many times. And I think that's honestly why Juve and AC Milan, they're targeting those more experienced older players who have been around and giving them higher wages rather than trying to develop from in, inside. And there's been so many transitions because some of those younger players have, have left Fiorentina. So um, I know I've you know, said a couple of things there, but back to Bocchete, uh, I think that this is all on the upside. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, she's only signed through the end of the season, so she's not going to block anyone's development long term. Yeah. I think she's going to add another goal threat to a team that desperately needs one. I mean, Daniela Sabatino leading the scoring charts again because, of course, she is because she's just uh, – what, what do you even say about Daniela Sabatino at this point? My God. Uh, and then another new signing, Karen London, with six goals. Uh so she's in fourth in Serie in the Serie A scoring charts, uh, two behind Sabatino with eight, and they have scored uh, almost all of Fiorentina's goals. I think the rest of the team has what five goals. So it, adding, it's troubling. Adding one more player who can put the ball in the net is going to be useful. Uh, I mean, let's talk about Vero Bocchetta too, because she's she's a legend. Like I think she's the only active player I can think of who has a stadium named after her in her hometown, which is just nuts. Like the, the, the stadium in Santiago de Compostela is the Stadio Veronica Boquete, which is just rad. Uh, she's also, she sounds like she's a really cool personality. Uh, she basically nuked the entire Spanish national team setup for being way behind the times at the World Cup a few years ago, called out the coach who'd been there for 27 years, eventually got him fired, I think for good reason. Uh, she was one of the driving forces behind getting women's teams into the FIFA video game franchise. Like, she's just super cool from what I can tell. Everyone seems to love her. And she can also still ball. You can play her, I think, probably... As a, as a trequartista, you can play her as a, a little bit deeper in midfield. You could probably play her as a striker because she led the Spanish league in scoring with 39 goals one year. Yeah. Like she's just, she's just an outrageously talented player. So yeah, great signing. I, I think it's a really, really good move. Uh, normally you don't get a player like this available in January, but you know, uh, the Italian women's game being what it is, which is, just a flaming dumpster full of poo, administratively speaking. Uh, this is what you get, and Fiorentina capitalizing really well. You know, uh, I, I don't know if it, if it makes sense to to kind of let people into our conversations, but you know, you the the three of us. Uh, oh no, no, no! You can't you can't let them know about our producer flaming Mike. poo dumpster conversations, man. Um, that's that's just we're, for we're us. having this conversation and. Uh, you know, talking about just how it would be better to just get out of the, get the people out of City uh, uh, uh that are in leadership right now. Just, just let the women that are playing run the league. Like how many better decisions would be made if, if they were the ones making the decisions? Um, I, I, it, it's kind of hard to even fathom because where do you start with all of this shit that goes on in that, in that, in that league right now? Yikes. Yeah, no no gods, no masters, just ballers, I think is what we're looking at here. And it would be really cool. Uh, man, that's a whole nother podcast. We're, we've been 
talking about doing one that's all feminile here for a for a little bit. And I think until they restart the season, probably not a whole lot to talk about. But that's going to be coming up. But I think we could definitely float a uh, a model where that works. Uh, so yeah, stay stay tuned for for your favorite uh, Fiorentina podcast idiots coming up with a whole new league structure that is uh yeah not like anything else. Uh, and yeah, you all right? Sorry, well, let's get back. Let's get focused again here. Sorry. Uh, you did mention another Milan player who might be coming to Florence also, and this is maybe even more exciting than getting Vero Bocchetti, uh, because you don't generally get a three-time capo cannoniere with 41 caps and 12 goals for Italy, who's only 28, uh, get joining a new team in January, but that's where we are because it sounds like Milan is just a is not a great place to be right now. I think Mauricio Gans is losing that team and forcing out Bocchetti and now forcing out potentially Valentina Giacinti, Giacinti too. And she's getting her would be incredible because she's tied for second in the scoring chart. So Fiorentina could have literally the three top scorers in the league on the same team. Mike, what is happening right now? What is going on with this? This situation confuses the hell out of me. Um, I've been trying to put together the pieces. I really have no clue why Milan would allow this to happen. Um, Again, well, I guess I I do understand. We didn't bring Guani back, so Fiorentino allows these things to happen too. This would be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Again, it's only going to be for half of the season. Um, but it's exactly what we need, which is much more going forward. And, and we need much more experience going forward. Um, this this here would, would bring us back, has to be to the top four of the table. I, I mean, this, this is a big, big move. I, and I would anticipate two to three positions um, that we're jumping in the table just as a result of this one here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Jacinti is just, she's an animal. She's so, so good. Uh, uh, yikes. I, I Yeah, I, I think there's also a chance that this would be more of a long-term thing. I, I, from what I can tell, she wants to stay in Italy. She's not going to go to Inter because she's been a lifelong Milan fan. She's from Bergamo. And so it would, at that point, probably be Fiorentina or Juventus, unless Napoli or Lazio can shell out a lot of money for her. Which, Rome, Rome was attached. Ro- so, oh yeah, so, Rome. Yeah. Oh no. So so ah, here, true, here's, the, yeah. here's the very confusing part. Um, you know, players can break contracts to go to other countries because we don't have a professional contract. However, in many situations, there are contracts that would prohibit them to move in country. So while she wants to leave based off of the disruption that that has been occurred in, uh, between her and the coach and, and some of the leadership uh, at Milan, she has explored moving to Roma. However, Roma wants an option to purchase her rights at the end of the season, which Milan is not willing to do. So, um, you know, I, 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 a lot of this, as, as I said, to begin this, this segment here, I get very confused when it comes to Serie A Feminile, the contracts, the rights, you know, what, what they can do, players moving in and out. 
Piamonte just just canceled her contract. You know, it would have had to been mutual. But like, why, if, if they're willing to let her leave for half a season, would they let her leave for half a season and not for the whole season? Like, why would they not have an option to purchase this contract inside of, of City of Manila? It's a very weird dynamic. And while I would love to see this happen, it brings me back to, to earth and, and makes me think that that at the end of the day, what may end up happening is the, the bad will that was built up before may dissipate and, and you know bygones will become bygones and she'll probably stay. I could be completely wrong and I could I, be reading mm. this completely wrong, but Milan will not give up her contract. So why let her leave for half a season if she has to come back and play for your next season if you're not willing to sell her? There, there has there's something weird. Yeah, there. I, I I think there's I think there's something broken in that in that team, and I think a lot of it has to do with Maurizio Gans losing a lot of his best players' uh, trust and confidence, and them just wanting basically making it about you know it's us or it's you, and the the club has backed him. And so I think you could see a mutual termination with Jacinti. And if she ends up in Florida, I mean, oh my God, that would that would just be the most absurdly fun team to watch that you have ever seen. I mean, just just having four players who are that good in the attack. Like, I don't even know how you would cram them all in there together. Uh, I mean, maybe a like a real lopsided four four two of some kind. I I, I can't even figure it out. Uh, but that that's what. Bonico's job is and I'm sure she can do it but like oh I just I want this to happen so so badly just just because this team would be must watch viewing like appointment television or streaming as the case may be and I mean could you uh, I just sorry I'm, I'm just going to trail off here and you, you can go ahead and pick it up well and, and I have a, I have a question for you um you brought up uh, Ponico here I I, I when when she came in, and, and maybe this is this is the naivety of, of of me in this situation, I anticipated a little bit more of a boost from Ponico's persona and players wanting to come in and play for her. Like I, I expected that there would be more of that. Maybe we could see part of that here, and, and especially, you know, especially if, if that's what happens here, Giacinti comes in. There's a lot more excitement. Ponico now gets that boost that she's been looking for to keep the talent that she wants in Florence and be able to position it with other players. That's where you see us move to the top four this year and then back into Europe contention next year. So, I mean, th this is a very important um, player that could really change more than just this year if we're able to bring her in in boosting, I think, Ponico's persona and presence in Florence. Definitely would be a huge boost. I, I don't think there's any chance that Fiorentina's getting into Europe next year. They're they're way too far down the standings right now, I think. And I don't the way the players move. The way players move uh, right now. I can I just, see it. I you are much more optimistic than I am there. I, I don't see him making up I think it's twelve points or something. Not not for Europe next year, but I'm saying next year's season, they'd be able to oh, qualify. Oh, oh, oh. okay. That's yeah, what we're I'm back saying. on the same page. So, so yeah. top four, they oh, would yeah. finish this year. And then that would allow them to get the players around Giacinti, the players that Ponico is looking for to compete for Europe next year. 
Yes. No, I think that is a little more believable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that, that would be great. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know that the idea was to build with a lot of young players and let them grow together with Panico, uh, just sort of organically. But grabbing Jacinti, I mean, she's only 28. She's not old. and that, That's young. And she's looks like the kind of player who could pull a Sabatino and play for another 15 years if she particularly yeah. wanted to. So I, I think that adding her is definitely a good choice. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll be checking back in on this, but yeah. man, let's just... Let's go into this commercial break here and just imagine Sabatino and Jacinti and Verbocete and Karen London uh, scoring 14 goals a game. And and that'll that'll get us through this commercial break instead of listening to the advertisements. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. And now that we're through with the Mercado, we're going to talk about some other stuff. And hey, remember how the theme of the entire women's Mercado was weird decisions by the league? Let's go right back into that. uh, And let's talk about the (laughs) schedule right now. Because, okay. So a little bit of background here. Fiorentina Udinese was postponed because Udinese had nine players test positive, or sorry, seven players and two staff members test positive for coronavirus coming out of the break and were barred from traveling by the local Friulian health authorities. Okay. So Serie A had previously said there were no post moments. Any team failing to show up would forfeit 3-0. That hasn't happened yet. Udinese have lodged an appeal, despite the fact that... uh, Pierpaolo Marino, their technical director, said three weeks ago that the league was right not to postpone games. Funny how his tune has changed recently. Uh, so what what is going on here, man? Like, are, are they going to replay this later on? Are they going to just go ahead and hand them the, the win by default? Where are we right now on the Udinese game? It, it seems like it's going to be rescheduled and played. It's going to be a nuisance because it's going to be collapsing the schedule. Um, and when you think about it, Udinese took the field today with essentially kind of the same team. So um, they were were required to suit up against Atalanta, but not suit up against us. Selfishly, that's three easy points that we could have 
got as a result of, of uh, uh, the pandemic. And we've been in these situations before. I mean, we've had players that have been out. Uh, we've been on the other side of this ball. And I'm sure that we'll be on the other side of this ball again. Um, it, it's, it's very, it's very Sediaian, right? Is that a, is that a uh, phrase we can, Sediaian? Sediaian sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's men's or women's, um, you know, the, it, it seems like Sedia is the, the Italian version of, of the Irish Murphy's law, right? Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Um, and not only will it go wrong, but there's there's a lot of, as you mentioned it, uh, Marino plays both sides of the ball. Uh, two weeks ago, it's one way. This week, it's it's another way. When it bounces back in his favor, it'll be the other way. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it does cause a disruption uh, for Fiorentina. This, this game will be rescheduled. 95% uh, chance that it'll be rescheduled. And we'll have to play a shortened week. Um, which will impact, you know, two games at that point um, yeah. for Fiorentina moving forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously, pandemic, there's no good solutions here, right? Like, this is bad for everyone. I do think that handling this the way they're handling it right now is wrong because you're basically punishing Fiorentina for doing nothing. You're punishing them for having their players go on vacation and be really careful and responsible and not pick up the virus well except for maybe a couple uh and now yeah they're going to end up with a short week i you know not to engage in conspiracy theories i would imagine this is going to pop up between two really important fixtures right and just suddenly force another one so that fiorentina have to play really tired in all three of those and and in a what what's shaping up to be a really tight race for the europa league that is the kind of thing that could be the difference. And I, I just, yeah, I really don't see how you can justify that. Uh, I mean, the rules were, if you have, there's no postponements. If you can't travel, you forfeit. And now we're changing that just on the fly. And it's not for Juventus, it's for Udinese. I am so confused about what's happening here. And then... Oh, so, 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 so let me do, let me just also add one thing, and I and I, I do want to add this because I think it is very important. Um, under Rocco Camiso, both MediaCom and Fiorentina have taken the pandemic very, very, very seriously. MediaCom has gotten praise off of how it's treated its employees, how their employees, because you know, keep in mind that a lot of what they do is is servicing going into people's houses, the approach that they're providing PPE, they have policies and procedures for going into people's houses and how they're treating that environment. They've received a lot of praise there. The feedback that I've received as well from inside of um, Florence is that Fiorentina's COVID policies, the contacts and, and traceability and, and the different stages for for you know uh, when you test and who can be in in, in rooms and, and in contact with others it is impeccable. You you said it just now. Why punish a team like Fiorentina, who takes a very serious approach towards COVID prevention, protection, and reduction of spread, and then reward a team like Marino who's complaining now? because they don't take it seriously. Whose fault is it? 
whose fault is it that that happens? Don't punish us. Like people should be looking towards Fiorentina as, as an example for exemplary performance in these situations. In my personal opinion, I thought it was very important to add there. Um, so, you know, uh, again, a lot of these things kind of play out. We'll see what happens here. But uh, uh, Fiorentina does deserve a lot of credit based off of what I've heard uh, their approach is to, uh, uh, to COVID there. No, that's a really good point. I, I think just look at the pictures of Rocco in the stands. He's yeah. one of the few owners I've seen wearing the mask correctly, like over his nose and mouth. Uh, I mean, like the dude's obviously taking it seriously, which is great and commendable. And yeah, we that's what you want so that, you know, the Omicron and whatever other Greek letters we're going to be using next for the next wave, because all of these dummies won't take it seriously. This is what it is. And we're going to have to keep dealing with this until people stop being dumb about it. And I'm just getting really frustrated with it. I'm sure that everyone else is too. And the fact that, you know, it's not only impacting my personal life, but also the team that I like to watch for fun. Well, now it's just too much. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so, so yeah. And I, I think what really boggles my mind too, is that guess what? This uh, replay at a future date that we don't even know when or if it'll happen. No, Fiorentina has another one getting rescheduled now. Uh, the Torino game, which was supposed to be played today. It was supposed to be done by now. Got pushed back. It's going to go tomorrow. You know, got to get and that game. And I think game. Napoli's pushed back as well. Oh, yeah. And as a result, the Coppa Italia game on Wednesday is pushed back to Thursday. I think a lot of fans in Italy are really upset about this Torino one specifically because it starts at 5 p.m., on a Monday, which means it's going to be tough to watch it for, for people in Italy. I mean, it's going to be tough for people to watch it on, say, the West Coast of the U.S. also, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, you're Is it pushing... a hooky day for you tomorrow? Is that what I'm hearing? <sighs> oh, no, 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 certainly not. I might, I mean, if I get sick, you know, that's just going to be a whole... Uh, Those glasses random... with the fake eyes? Yeah, I mean, who can say? Uh, yeah. But I mean, also, and it's pushed all the way back. Uh, Fiorentina is playing Genoa next week on Monday now, too, which I don't think was the original plan. Uh, Torino, they had four players test positive. Uh, they had to go up against their regional health authorities also, uh, who banned them from traveling. They took it all the way up to the federal level, got that overturned moved it to Mondays so that it would give the players just enough time to get down from Turin or get from Florence to Turin. I mean, it's just a, it's just an absolute mess, man. And like, the, there's no consistency here, I think. Or communication. Yeah. I think that's what's so crazy. agency doesn't talk to the next. That's why should so it in that country? And like, here's the thing. How many years have we been doing this for? This is the third season of of culture in time of coronavirus right and and we're still just making it up we i say we as if we have any part in this we're still just making it up as we go along no one knows what's going to happen from week to week day to day hour to hour I mean, how is this still happening after the napoli juve one last year that made all kinds of waves and here we are doing the exact same thing and I, I, I just don't understand how you can't possibly have come up 
with a way to fix this by now. I mean, you know, aside from doing the thing that they're doing in England where uh, you just stop testing the day of the game. So that way you don't have any positive tests and that way you know it's safe for everyone. I mean, just what what are these absolute morons doing? What are they getting paid to do besides sit there and do nothing? I I am just I am beside myself right now with how this works. And I I, I don't you know. I, yeah. Did did you ever watch the uh, the show Vikings? Uh, no, I'm not. Sorry, I didn't get invited over to Bart's house to watch that with him. <laughs> uh, it, it's a really interesting show that I'm watching right now, streaming it on, on, on uh, I think it's Hulu or whatever. But um, th- there's one scene between Ragnar, Ragnar who's the Viking warrior, and um, the king from England, King, I forget his name anyway. But they're sitting next to each other celebrating a victory. And of course, they're drinking some ale, celebrating the victory. And, and they're both, you know, kind of enjoying themselves. So they're probably half in the bag at this point. And uh, they, they look at each other. And the one guy goes to the other, are you a good guy? And the other guy pauses and he says, yeah. And they pause, you know, another second or two goes by. And, he, and the other guy that goes, asks ask him, are you a corrupt guy? And he looks at him and he smiles and he goes, Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of what, what it feels like, you know, like these guys think that they're good, uh, but then they realize that they're just so damn corrupt. And it's just funny because they, they, there's an actualization there that it's true, too. Oh, man, that was I was really not sure where you were going with that for a sec, uh, other than in a Dragovsky, uh, Dragovsky adjacent direction. But no, I could I kind of see it now. He should be on that show. He'd fit in very well. Uh, that's why he grew the beard, wasn't it? Wasn't he watching that show and got so into it he decided to grow it out? Did he? I, I think I heard that from someone, yeah. Hmm. Uh, during during quarantine, apparently he watched the whole thing and was like, man, this is rad. I think I need a beard now. Yeah, Which just get him a sword and an axe. I Oh, man. Yeah, he's probably got him lying around somewhere. Speaking uh, of which, we need to see him soon. He, he needs to get back on the pitch. Yeah, I, I do miss Bart. Uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, just just the the, the the corruption here, though, just this idea that nobody knows what's going on, and that's how it's supposed to work. This obfuscation, this let's keep everything behind the scenes so nobody knows what's happening, and that way, uh, if nobody knows what's happening, nobody knows what's next. Nobody can complain about the process. Nobody can complain about the way that we do this because there's no information available on it. And that is, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm looking for an adjective here that that's just the worst. Someone needs to do something about this sooner than later. And uh, yeah, I, I would love to see that happen. I would love for us to all have some idea about how this is going to work and how it's not going to get changed, you know, on the whim of somebody in the league office, whether that's Gravina, whether that's someone else. And I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, it's just what a mess. We know it didn't happen. Now the conversation should turn what will be done so it doesn't happen next time. How many people do you think are going to be coming to that table for that conversation? I'm just leaving this long silence intentionally. Uh, Yeah, this is, I mean, it's gotten so bad that uh, Mario Draghi, the prime minister of Italy, 
uh, called a conference with Gravina the other day to discuss this whole thing uh, and and how it's just not working for anyone and how Seria Odd needs to improve its coronavirus protocols, uh, yeah. both in terms of how they play, letting people into the stadium. Which is the, the next conversation. People are yeah. constantly unmasked. Yeah, we're uh, yeah down to 5,000. 5,000 yeah. people in the stadium for the next couple of weeks. Uh, closing the stadium is definitely on the table, which would probably wreak havoc on everyone's finances again. But yeah, just, just the, the inconsistency. This is the kind of thing that keeps Serie A from becoming a really, really, really good league. There's lots of talent. There's passion. There's, all, there's everything you want. In Some a top of the best stadiums flight. in the world. Just going to let that one go on by, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> but but I, I think that, it, yeah, it's things like this where the league just constantly gets in its own way, trips over its own feet, and, and then the, the, the fallout for everyone else that is just, that makes people think this is a joke of a league and means that they're frequently not wrong. And it would be really cool to see somebody do something about it. But to be honest, that's why it's refreshing, at least in my opinion, to hear Rocco speak up as much as he does. Yeah, but maybe. Uh, maybe uh, I'd maybe love it's to hear him sound off Rocco, on this. And that's that's maybe maybe it's time Rocco actually sounds off on this one because he hasn't been wrong in what he said. You know, maybe two of those points. I think when we talked about him last time, were a little bit off. But 80%, that's passing. Like, that that's really passing, especially in, in, in Italy. Um, it, w- with his approach to COVID prevention, preparation, testing, maybe he's the one that needs to kind of start putting forth some of the ideas. And, and you know, nobody's going to listen to him. Uh, I mean, that's just the, the, the Seti Ayan way. Um, but... You know, certainly I think uh, Rocco is definitely what's needed here, too. Well, yeah, let's hope that he or somebody else can step up and fill this enormous leadership gap, because what a mess for everyone involved. It's just terrible. Uh, Well, on that cheerful note, let's go ahead and call it a day. And yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike produced this episode. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Sports Social Podcast Network.